Hallelujah. It's a joy to be in the house of God today. It's a joy to feel His presence in this place today. We're so glad that you have come to join us in worship and praise to the Lord of glory this morning. Pressing the boundaries is my subject today. Pressing the boundaries. Before I get into it, let me welcome some folk from Mississippi. Paul Rigney and his wife and daughter. Of course, she's about back, but we have enjoyed their presence in our home the last two days. They actually come by just to spend the night on the way from Washington State. And so we've persuaded a little bit and they stayed over. Of course, Selena, one of my favorite persons in Mississippi, I told her I was preaching, so she stayed. They had no choice. The rest of them had to stay. Now, when she said she was staying because I was going to be the one preaching, that really built me up. Amen. I just hope the Lord will let her not fail, let her down easy, you know. <laughs> Amen. It's so good to be carrying the Word of God this morning. Pastor will be back tonight. And when you're off that far and you're flying, you don't know, you know what kind of situations you're going to get in. So we, for one, are praying that he'll be back tonight to preach. And so we're looking forward to him getting back. If you have your Bible and want to turn with us to Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, pressing the boundaries. We live in a strange time, at least in my lifetime, we live in a strange time. I have two ways of looking at it. I can be discouraged and despondent and wish for the old days. Or I can begin to praise the Lord for the new day that's coming. Hallelujah. We know from Scripture that times must get bad or change or get corrupt. I don't know how much more corrupt we can get, but uh, I suppose we can. We're at Sodom and Gomorrah stage now, so I don't know how we'll go any further, but we can. But God also said, I'm, my son is coming back. He'll split the sky, the eastern sky. We'll be caught away forever to be with the Lord. Hallelujah. So I got a lot to look forward to today. Amen. And again, he entered, I'm reading from King James. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come in nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they, they let him down, let the bed down where in the sick of the palsy lay. 
when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick, the palsy's son, thy sins be forgiven thee. I want you to notice a very special thing here. The man on the bed's not said anything yet. Just the four people that helping him was doing all. But as soon as he came into the presence of Jesus, when he saw what the four was doing, he said unto the one that was sick, thy sins be forgiven thee. So we understand that he was a sinner. Needing help more than just physically. But there were certain of the scribes. This was the Christian folk. Maybe I shouldn't say the Christian folk. This was the religious folks sitting there and reasoned in their hearts. Why doth this man thus blaspheme? They said Jesus. They called Jesus a blasphemer. Who can forgive sin but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether is it easier to say to the sick, O the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man doth have power on earth to forgive sins, he saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way unto thine house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all. Insomuch they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Pressing the boundaries. If you're here and you've got problems, you're facing troubles or difficulties, then the answer to your problem or to your difficulty or to your situation is to press in to where Jesus is. Press. Press in. There is better ahead for the person that presses in, presses the boundaries, presses toward Jesus, push forward. There is something else in God beyond where we are. No matter where you are as a believer, there is something beyond where you are. You may be a Christian for many years. You may be a spirit-filled Christian for many years. You may have attended church. Now you're growing old. I have learned as I've grown older that there are still things I haven't learned of God. I'm still learning new things about God every day. As I've learned in the past, all those things are with me, but I learn something new every time I study His Word. I find another way to get closer to God. There's no boundary with God. There is no stopping point with God. There is no place you come to, and God is no more. He gets no bigger. He is nothing else. That's all they are. I got saved, so that's all they are. I'll just... Drift along, you can do that, but that's not the best thing to do. Well, I've got filled with the Spirit, and so that must be the utopia. That must be everything. That must be all I can have. Well, you can do that, but that's not the best. 
That's not all of it. That's not complete. While we praise Him, I believe the best is yet to come. While we worship Him, I believe the best is yet to come. While we acknowledge we're saved, I believe the best is yet to come. While we acknowledge we're filled with the Spirit, I believe the best is yet to come. While we come to the house of God, every opportunity we get in order to praise and be with the saints of God, I believe there is more. I don't believe there is a line drawn in the sand and there is nothing beyond it. I believe there's a wide open door from God's viewpoint for every person, for every individual to go beyond where he or she's at. So my message today for the Pathway family and any believer that's here is to begin to press the boundaries. Press the areas where you are. I hope to explain it to you in the time that I have. I mean by that when I say press the boundaries in your area you know and I know that our church and your life is destined. When you become a believer, you're destined. The church, when it forms and it organizes and a group of people begin to attend the same house of God, they have a destiny. It is not the end of things because you got together. It is not the end of things because pathway exists. We don't just supposed to exist. We're supposed to press the boundaries. We're supposed to push forward. Or am I, am I, am I, am I getting anywhere? You and, I may, you and I know our church and we're in the church, and we worship together in the church. We have responsibilities in the church. We have ministries in the church. But that is not all of it. There are things to do without in this church, from within this church to the world outside of us. These walls just contain us in, in sort of in private this morning in our private worship. And we have chosen that this is where we want to do it at. But I have a responsibility individually as a part of this church to press the boundaries and plant seed that they may have knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Can we say amen? You and I as a church body, we together have a responsibility. But individually, we have responsibilities. We must plant in order for there to be a harvest. Jesus never did do anything when he was on earth but teach us how to grow. That's what he done when he talked about tithing. This is how you grow. You plant 10% of what you get and keep 90, and the 10% will grow you the next 90% or 150% you get. That's how it works, Jesus said. 
And so it is with your individual life. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, He has planted in your heart the Spirit, the Word of God, the blessing of God, and you have the wonderful opportunity to join in this house together and lift your hands in praise and worship. And these musicians and singers, they've been anointed and given a special ability. They've been given a special gift beyond being saved, beyond being filled with the Spirit. They've always also been gifted with being able to sing and carry a tune they've been gifted with the ability to play skillfully and in that midst of that praise and playing they're able to lift our hearts up I mean if your heart wasn't lifted up while they sang this morning you really need to press the boundaries I couldn't keep my hanky in the pocket I was wiping tears all the time because as they sing what God was to us it was melody in my heart but that's not all my life is just to come and enjoy their singing. That is just a portion of what God has given me. I've listened to several here talk lately to me about their position in life and society and where they are. They have an awesome opportunity of witnessing and planting seed and winning souls. I can tell you today that God has placed you in your place. You're there for a reason. You're there for a purpose, whether it's in a, in a steel mill or in Walmart or in the bank or, or somewhere else in the surrounding towns in whatever kind of opportunity God has given you to work. You have a position there for more than just making your living. As a child of God, you have a responsibility to sow spiritual seed where you are. Now hang on because I'm going to take you somewhere. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus is preaching. People begin to gather as he preached. It wasn't, the house wasn't full when he started preaching. It filled up while he was preaching. And it got larger and larger and they pressed in to the house. And the Bible said they gathered until there was no room in the house. If you'll look at the text closely, you'll discover the ones that were closest to Jesus were his worst critics. That bothered me when I looked at that with a good clear sense of mind. The ones at this meeting, the closer they were to Jesus, the more critical they was of Jesus. So what that told me is they wasn't close enough. They just wanted to be where they could see, be seen, and heard. I don't need to go there, but I'm going anyway. If you're a musician or a singer, I'll just beat up on them this morning since they're so easy to beat up on and take it so well. And all they're up here for is just to please you. They're singing for the wrong reason. They're playing for the wrong reason. Their duty and responsibility from God is because He's given them this skill and this ability. They are to sow the spiritual blessings of God into your hearts and my heart so we can lift our hands and rejoice and praise God. So when we leave this place, we will have enough in us to plant somewhere else. And therefore God blesses them and blesses you. And the multitudes... Keep coming. You see, the ground is ready. 
In this passage of Scripture from Mark chapter 2, Jesus is talking to the house is full. The doorway is full. They've gathered outside in the courtyard of the house. It's full. There's no room anywhere. There are so many people that you can't get close to Jesus. But somewhere out there in the world was a paralytic, a cripple, a man who couldn't help himself. Do you understand how many folk you come into every day that can't help themselves spiritually? They don't have no idea how to help themselves spiritually. He couldn't get to Jesus. He wasn't able to be there first and have a front row seat. Somewhere in the world, there was a man who can't make it to the front pew of the church. On Sunday morning when the pastor's going to preach his message, four people in that crowd that were standing there listening to Jesus preach, all of a sudden got a burden while they listened to Jesus talk. You know, we've got a friend over at so-and-so. It's crippled. He can't get here. He needs to hear this man. He needs to know what this man is saying. Let's go get him. I don't know if they got a stretcher. The Bible said a bed. I don't know what that meant. I never run that out to see because bed was bed to me. I thought that was enough. All I need to know. Might have been a stretcher, a cot, I don't know. But they laid him on it. And they brought him to where Jesus was. There were too many people in the way, too many things in the way. I can tell you if you're in this building and you're wanting to get closer to Jesus, but too many things are in the way, press the boundaries. Press the boundaries. If you're here this morning and you've been wanting to get closer to Jesus, you've got to press the boundaries. There's always somebody going to be in the way. There's always something going to be in the way. There's always something that keeps you from getting closer to Jesus. And if you're in the building and you're not saved, there's a reason why you're not saved. Something has kept you from getting any closer to Jesus. And there are people that are your friends, your loved ones, your buddies, your pals that don't know Jesus this morning, and you have this wonderful knowledge in your life that I am going to have a home in glory. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to have a place there forever and ever and ever. Mine can, eyes cannot see it. Mine cannot perceive it. You can't even think it in your heart, the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. But my best buddy don't know Him. You do one or two things. You try to get him to know him. You press the crowd. You press in. You do whatever's necessary to try to convince him or her that they need to know your Jesus because you don't want to see them lost. You don't want to see them lost. What are we going to do? We're stuck, they said. We've got a man who needs help and we've got a burden to help him, but there are too many things in the way. They had a predicament. That's a country slang. Let's just throw him down and forget about it. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. Some of you feel that way about some of your family. 
I've tried. I'm tired trying. Some of you feel that way about some of your working companions. They're a bunch of knot heads, and that's all there are to it. So I'll tell you what they did. Maybe to help you. Bible said they sat down over on the curb. This is not in King James. They sat down over on the curb and began to talk to each other. So what we're going to do? We got a man here. Needs Jesus. He needs to see Jesus. I, I never found nowhere where they asked him if he wanted to be saved or not. I never found nowhere where they asked him if he wanted to go see Jesus or not. I just assume maybe they did, but I don't know that. But they were going to get him to see Jesus. They said, we got to have a plan. we got to think about this thing. we gotta, we got a reason. we got to come up with a plan. They come up with a plan. It's pretty rough, but they come up with it. It wasn't what you say, you know, uh, science, but they came up with it. I believe with all my heart they knew their plan would work, that sooner or later they'd have the man in front of Jesus. You and I this morning as believers, as Christians, we've got to have a plan for the people we love. We've got to have a plan for the people we want to see saved. We've got to have a plan for our family member. Family members are the hardest of all. They're the most difficult for you to talk to and care a burden for because they know just as much as you know about Jesus. But they've refused to accept If you press the boundaries hard enough, sooner or later, you'll get the man or woman before Jesus. And when you get him in front of Jesus, help is going to arrive real fast. Jesus said, I don't turn nobody away. Jesus said, I don't give up on nobody. I don't turn nobody away. You've got the assurance if you can get them before Jesus, Jesus is going to accept them. You don't know this guy. I mean, this is a bad dude. You don't know this woman's past. Well, read about David a little bit. In the adult Sunday school class this morning, he committed about every sin, bad sin, awful sin, terrible sin. Anybody could ever commit. And yet he was a man after God's own heart. Because he got in front of Jesus, he repented. When he, was, when he was touched by God, he repented. The same thing will happen to you or me. You don't have a loved one or, or a co-worker that is bad enough to not meet Jesus. Not even you yourself. Jesus said, At him that cometh to me, John 6, 37, I will in no wise cast out. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I come, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. All these fellows, while their plan was totally out of order from the standpoint of those who were sitting on the front row and went through with their plan, can you imagine if you were outside in the yard and Jesus is preaching and you come, four men come with a bed and the first thing they do is make room at the wall. Probably back wall because everybody else was in the front. 
and they begin to scale the man on the bed up the side of the house. It had to create some kind of attention. Now, I would think just being an old country boy like I am, I would think that would get a little attention from somebody. Every now and then, we need a little attention around here from somebody. The worst thing that, that can ever happen to Pathway Church of God is that you get saddled in your place. I'm a preaching, y'all just not shouting. The worst thing can ever happen to the youth program is y'all get saddled in y'all's little place. The worst thing can happen to us is that we get so comfortable in our pew that we don't think about the empty pew and need to get somebody in it. I'm a preaching. I don't know why God put this on me. This is a pastor's word here. And that's what I am. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen, taking a man up inside of a house. Carrying a man on top of the house. Jesus is inside, not on top of the house. What I'm trying to get you to understand is there are many different ways to get a person to Jesus. We have to use all of them that we can. If the one we're trying to use is not working, sit down on the curb and make another plan. If you need more than yourself to do it, then get some fellas together or ladies together. We need a plan. Let's make us up a plan. How are we going to do this? Probably somebody said, this is not going to get him where Jesus is, but you see, they didn't know the plan these guys knew. They already knew what they were going to do. The plan was birthed in their spirit. In the heart of these four men, they had a plan to take the roof off. Who'd ever thought about taking the roof off? You know, I thought about when I was studying this sermon, I thought about the night I got saved. I was in Yellow Pine, Alabama, in a little old one-room country church, shotgun-shaped church. I sat close to the back as anybody else would let me sit with my friend. Darlene was with us. She hadn't birthed Danny yet. And I wondered that night, does anybody in this house care whether I'm here or not? Probably half of them knew who I was. But I wonder, does anybody make any difference to them whether I'm here or not? Probably not. But the thought struck me. There's one person in this house that cares that I'm here. And JB's here. My buddy. There's a person in this house that cares that we two are here. And the person that was there that cared was the guy that was going to deliver the message. He had put forth effort to get me and JB to come hear him. We was his pals. We was his buddies in sin. He said, I'm going to preach my first sermon at the Yellow Pine Church. You guys, would y'all come and back me up and help me? Oh, yeah, we'll be there. 
We'll be there. We wasn't going to back him up. We were going to try. Our idea was we talked about it. Our idea was we'll make him uncomfortable. We'll make him feel bad and under a strain. All I think we'd done was ignite a fire in him. On his way to the pulpit, he pulled his coat off, coat off and throwed it back and never did quit walking. He just went right on down this side preaching, right on around that way and come down the center aisle, right on around preaching. At a while, he gave an altar call. I was so disturbed, I had a hold of the back seat and my knuckles was white. I didn't even look around and see what JB was doing. Nobody in that house made a move to do anything. But when Walter Mack seen I wasn't going to move, he made a stray beam to me. Because you see, he had done, prayed, and had a plan. And he done asked God to convict my heart. And he got back there, and if he hadn't never come, I'd have never moved, Brother Roger. But when he come and put his hand on my shoulder, I got right up. I've been saved ever since. But I didn't stay where I got to that night. I've been moving ever since. And I know with all of my heart, God has more for me than I have today. I am still going to press the boundaries. There is still things God has for me. Oh, praise the Lord. I look back at that clock and it looks beautiful. Not only did they have a plan to take the roof off, they had a plan to take it off right over Jesus' head. And Jesus is talking to a multitude of people saying, I'm talking to you. Your heavenly Father wants you to be saved. There's life after death. We're going to arise. While he's trying to preach, the roof is coming off. Mud and straw is flying everywhere. Now, I'm not just trying to relate to you this story. You should know that by now. I'm trying to tell you there are many ways for you to get your loved ones saved. There's many ways for you to move up in God. There's many ways for you to make a difference in your life and with the people around you. There is many ways for us here at Pathway to do more than what we're doing. What I want you to see is that there are situations in our life that we've got to keep pressing the boundaries. We've got to keep pushing in on until we place ourselves in a strategic spot where we can get our message across, where we can get our message in, where we can get it into their heart. And if they see Jesus like you see Jesus, they will be saved. How many times have I prayed sitting in a restaurant and later on someone would come and said, I happened to see you praying and it was a doorway into their life. It is no telling what you can do in your place of opportunity that will give you a doorway into somebody's life. You've got to keep that in mind. They're not saved because they don't see him like you see him. They're not saved because they don't hear him like you hear him. They're not saved because their eyes haven't been opened. They're not saved because they've never gotten close enough to Jesus to feel the effects of his presence. All these four men said, if we can get him, 
in there and we can get him in front of Jesus, our job will be over with. Jesus will do the rest. Jesus will do the rest. They just let him right down in front of Jesus. And Jesus, don't you know, this is not the first time he has looked up during the course of a sermon during this night. I mean, if I were there, I was going first. I'd ask how many of those speakers up there, I, I'd look up if they started cracking to see which one of them going to fall and where it's going to fall. Straw was falling on his head. Mud was falling on his head. I want you to get a picture today and understanding that we have to press the boundaries. We have to press in. We have to press into those areas that God has given us opportunity in. We've got to pray and fast and seek God, inspiring God, inquiring of God, what is the next move, God? We've got to have a plan. Too many of us go through the week without having a plan. We're seriously, if you've got somebody on your heart that needs to be saved, you need to have a plan. You need to have a plan. You don't need to be caught off guard. You need to have a plan. We've got to get in front of Jesus. That's where the plan is. And when they got in front of Jesus, you know the story. When they got him in front of Jesus, Jesus looked up and saw these four men, and he said to the man on the bed, because of your faith, talking about the four men, because of your faith. He said to the man on the bed, your sins are forgiven you. Oh, Lord, that the folk had jumped up and started hollering, blaspheme. If you're looking for somebody to pat you on the back because you got your friends saved, forget it. That's not the way the church functions. If you don't look right when you bring them in, that's the first place you've made a mistake. I'm preaching this morning. I got up from the wrong side of the bed, I guess. <laughs> what you should have done is made him look like pathway folks look and then brought him in. Oh, Lord, help me this morning to get on. No, friend, just get him here. Jesus is supposed to be here. We pray for him to be here. We sing for him to be here. We rejoice while they sing for him to be here. We call his presence down in this house like we did this morning. And where the presence of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's what the Bible said. What I want you to understand is the the ground has been tilled. The soil is prepared. Everything's ready. All we've got to do is find a way to plant the seed. A way to get it into the ground. And it will grow because God said, I will shine sun on it. And I'll put rain on it. You and I may not have every opportunity we'd like to have. 
It may not work out just like we want it to work out, but I promise you, if we will go at it and sow, we will reap harvest time when it comes. There will be results. We will see dividends from it. We will get results. I can tell you that they will be saved if we press the boundaries of our times and do what it takes. The days of revival are not over. The days of salvation are not over. The world is going crazy to hell. But we don't all have to go to hell. We can all go to heaven. Our friends can go to heaven. Everybody can go to heaven. Well, I'm just thinking about myself. Well, think about somebody else too. When we press the boundaries... Before I close, I want to just leave this hanging in there with you. When I press the boundaries, I don't mean to be pushy when I say this or obnoxious. That's what I'm talking about. I don't mean to be forward too much. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, like just walk into Walmart and somebody standing in line trying to pay for the groceries and you just run up there and grab them by the hand and say, Are you saved? I want you to be saved. Come to church Sunday. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you're in line, somebody in front of you, and you decide, well, that folks are not able to pay their groceries. You step up there and say, let me pay for it today. Bless you. You won't never realize the reaction you will get. There's this precious black lady paying one day, and she couldn't find enough money to pay. I stepped up and told the cashier, I said, uh, how much is her grocery bill? She told me, I said, I'll pay it today. Let me pay it and just give her her money back. And this precious black lady didn't know me from Adam, you know. She didn't know if I was trying to be smart ass or trying to make her look bad or trying to embarrass her. You see, every time you do a kind thing don't mean it's going to be taken that way. You know what I mean? She wheels around and looks me dead in the eye and comes and grabs me. Almost picks him up off the floor, and she's an elderly lady, and she starts rejoicing. Oh, she said, you don't know what you've done today. Well, she was right. I didn't know what I'd done. Now, that may not happen to you, and you'll be looking for it, but you need to watch everywhere you are for an opportunity for the door to open. When the door opens, walk in it. I'm not talking about making the door open. I'm talking about when you see the door open, walk in it. Don't wait for it to happen again and again and then say, well, that must be of God. Do it the first time. Press in the first time. Get in there. I'm not talking about using your position. If you're at a job and you got a position, I'm not talking about using your position over those under you. That's not what I'm talking about. Not abusing that position, but I'm talking about taking advantage of your opportunity in the plant, wherever you are, to plant a seed. You know what I discovered when I was in the workforce and in the plant? There's always somebody there going through trouble. There's always somebody there downcast, burdened, needing an uplift. That's what your your plan is. That's what you pray for. God give you that vision to see the opportunity. 
If you're a nurse, if you work in the doctor's office, if you work at the steel mill, or, or you work in the public school, you have been given a place. You've been given a place to function. Press the boundaries. There is an end of this sermon, really. Also have opportunity to point things out to a family in a setting where they would quickly understand what you're saying to them. What I'm trying to say to you this morning is that I'm not talking about being pushy and obnoxious. I'm talking about using opportunities that present themselves. If you have an opportunity to use them in the best of your ability. The grounds are ready. If you've prayed, the grounds are ready. If you sought God, the grounds are ready. If you searched God, the grounds are ready. Especially if you have someone that you want to see saved and you don't want, you just would think, boy, I'd just be miserable if I went to their funeral and had never done nothing to see them saved. I would really hate to do that. It's bad enough to go to anybody's funeral, but to go to somebody's funeral that you should have witnessed to, that's bad. That's tough. That's hard. It's even harder to preach that funeral. There isn't any question in my mind where I'm at is my mission field. Wherever I'm at is my mission field. Wherever I'm at is my mission field. If you're a part of the pathway family we are we're a family working together with god not against god not opposite of god but with god we're working with god and working with each other to see souls saved to see lives changed if you're here today and you have a need you have somebody you want to see saved you have situations you haven't been able to make a move on well this is a good time to press the boundaries press the boundaries with your need god understands god cares want the musicians to come if they would and get ready to sing a song this morning. Bow your heads with me, please. Let your thoughts and your prayers be inward to you and what your position is in the balcony and on the floor as I pray this morning. Father, you know every one of our hearts today. You know my heart. You know the hearts of those who may be in need today. You know the hearts of those that may need salvation. They are lost. They don't know you. They've never prayed the sinner's prayer. They've never come to an altar repentance. They've never come, Lord, and asked you to come into their heart, God. Would you speak into their lives, into their hearts today? into those areas that they are in need. Would you speak into every one of our hearts today, those areas in which we need your strength, we need your help, we need your touch, God, to that man and that woman, to that boy and that girl under the sound of my voice, that the message may not seem to mean a thing to because they're dealing with something themselves that is serious. They can't think of nothing else but their own problem they're going through. They're wrestling with their own problem. They're wrestling with their own difficulty. They're trying themselves to find Jesus. Lord, would you speak to that person today with the Holy Spirit? 
beyond what I'm able to do and speak in their heart and let them know you're standing waiting for them, you're standing waiting for them to come and receive you as the Lord and Savior. You have outstretched hands, Lord, this morning. You have outstretched arms, Lord. You have outstretched, Lord, yourself, your spirit, all across this room this morning, God. All in the balcony, God, speak to us, Jesus. Speak to us, Jesus. Speak words of hope, words of comfort, words of direction, Jesus. We ask in your name, Father. Your name is above all names. We ask in your name, Father, to speak to us. God, and direct us. Would you stand? While they get ready to sing this morning. I want to give the altar call this way. If you're here and you're praying about a loved one, listen to me close. Don't get distracted with nothing. If you're praying about a loved one, you're asking God to give you direction on how to help them get saved then you need to press the boundaries this morning. You need to be in the altar. Stand or kneel, whatever makes you comfortable. You need to press the boundaries in your own heart this morning for a plan, for a plan. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you haven't accepted Him as your Lord and personal Savior, I want to make it as easy and as convenient for you as I can. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want you to be embarrassed. I want, don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to feel uneasy, but I want you to be comfortable. While our eyes are closed, you don't know Jesus, but you say, Preacher, when you pray, pray for me. I don't know Jesus. Would you raise your hand over on my right in the balcony, in the center aisles? You don't know Jesus. You just want to be prayed for. Now, I didn't see a hand. There might have been one, but I didn't see it. That means you either don't want to be saved or all of you feel comfortable that you're saved. So we have a house filled with people that know Jesus. And that being the case, we have a lot of power in this house to pray for the unsaved. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? We have a lot of power to pray for this community and for whatever community you're from. Be still, be Carothersville, Armorell, wherever. Gosnell, Bible. We have a lot of power in this building. I don't know how many is here, but over 200, looks like. That's a lot of power. I'm going to ask you to join me this morning. Let's pray for our communities. Let's pray for our communities, for the lost to be saved, for our communities to be a, a safe place to live in. Who wouldn't want that? Every home in here should want that for your children, for your families, for your loved ones. All of us should want our homes and our communities to, to be safe. 
everyone that would in the balcony, on the main floor, if you want to come up front and join us in prayer, please do. But if that makes you uncomfortable and you want to stay at your seat, I'm not upset at you. I just want you to pray with us this morning for God to touch our community, for God to help us, for God to bless us, for God to minister to us. Would you do that this morning with us?